Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your weekly source to keep you informed on everything about financing your home, where you will hear real facts, no BS. I'm your host, Jennifer Hernandez, a loan officer since 1995, and over 4,300 families financed to date. If you're starting to think about buying or refinancing a home, wonder if you have the right credit, savings, or even income, you're in the right place. On my weekly episodes, I make complicated topics easy to understand. By the way, my license is NMLS 514497. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and don't represent any legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's jump in. We are talking about how to protest your property taxes. My name is Jennifer Fernandez, senior loan officer, 26 years. I've hosted retired appraisers from the county to talk prior at live seminars for me. So I do want to give you a disclaimer that things are subject to change. I am talking about mostly Harris and surrounding counties. So Houston, MSA. If you live outside of Harris County in a different county, it is best that you double check the information. For example, I live in Fort Bend. The process is slightly different, but pretty much the same. This is not exact information. I might have something in here that might have changed. It's based on my own research and experience. I'm definitely not a licensed appraiser. And I don't help people protest their taxes individually, but I do want to provide you with resources really to have vocabulary and know. And at the end of this, I am going to have some ideas for you on where you can go to get help. Because let's face it, I mean, none of us are appraisers. You're a homeowner. (laughs) You want to pay as little property tax as possible. And you want to make sure that it's not over the tax value, obviously. What you're going to learn is how to complete the forms, things to consider before protesting. And the most important part are the four reasons for protesting. So when you do protest, it's important that you stick to your reasons. If you pick one reason to protest, but then in your hearing, you start going into other reasons, I can just tell you now they're going to shoot you down. I did that one year and it did not go well. (laughs) So these are just, again, tidbits I've learned from just not only being a homeowner, but prior events and webinars that I've done with actual appraisers that know what they're doing. First, how to access your account online. I know it sounds like an elementary thing, but we're going to review it just in case those of you need a little bit of help for that. I'm using Harris County as the example. That's where I do a lot of my business, not all of it. So if you're in Fort Bend, Montgomery, Brazoria, surrounding counties, it might be a little bit different, but I'll teach you how to know at least where to look. This is hcad.org. That stands for Harris County Appraisal District. You could go to any search engine and just type in your county, Montgomery Appraisal District, Brazoria Appraisal District, and it will easily get you to your appraisal district. Most of them are pretty user-friendly. Harris County is the most user-friendly. You want to look at the bars on the top. Like here, it says property search about careers. It usually gives you a pretty good idea of like where to search or like where to go. And you can also use that little help hourglass search button and type in a keyword if it's not easy to find. But here on Harris County, you want to go to property search and you want to click to the right real property. Now, all of the websites will give you a choice to search by your account number, 
which is like a 15 digit long number. So that's the hardest search. Okay. Or by address or by owner name. So I almost always do by address because it's the most streamlined. One thing I will mention is that the street number here is pretty straightforward. On the street name, when you have a property that is a drive or a street or a court or South Main or North Main, sometimes HCAD or the County Appraisal District will have your address differently. Like they might abbreviate S or they might have South spelled out. So sometimes you have to try a couple of different combinations. But of course, if you live there, you might be able to search also by owner name. So just know sometimes it's a little finicky. Don't worry if you can't find it. It's in there somewhere because you know you live there, but you might have to fiddle with the address just a little bit. And then maybe look by your last name, of course. So just a little guidance on that. So enter your address. It's successful. It pops up. This is an actual example. It's going to tell you up here, of course, your address, your mailing address, et cetera. And then it's going to tell you in the middle, you want to check where the red arrow is for your exemptions. If you own your property as a primary residence, you definitely, definitely have to check like now to after this check to make sure that your homestead exemption, and it will say the word homestead is an exemption type. I have seen them fall off when one spouse has deceased or maybe there's a parting of property. If there's a divorce, like it has happened that it's on there, the homestead exemption. And then for some reason it's off. It's not high percent chance, but it happens. Sometimes we have clients that think that they filed, they sent in the form and the county didn't get it. So make sure, especially now, The deadline to file your homestead exemption form saying that it is your homestead property, the deadline is always the 30th of April, and it does allow you to go back two years. So if that applies to you, you can either email me on the side or you can actually call the county. They're pretty good about answering the phone. You are able to retroactive it and just say, hey, I made a mistake, or they don't really ask a ton of questions. You just have to prove that you've lived there for a couple of years or however far back you're going. The reason this is so important, especially this year in 2022, as I'm recording this, is that all values, I actually went to the HCAD website and the chief appraiser has a seven minute video that I suggest that you watch stating that in Harris County of the 1.3 million parcels that are taxed, So it includes land, commercial, single family places, 95% of them are increasing in value. We're in record setting appreciation like we have never seen before. So this is happening all over the city. Now, having your homestead exemption is definitely a good thing to have if it's your homestead because it has a 10% cap on the value that you can be taxed on. I'm just picking something out of the air, but let's say your value's 200,000 of your appraised value, not the market value. The market value is what the market is doing. Your appraised value will be capped 
to 10% each year. So if the values around you are going up 20% or 15 or whatever, this is where it's very, very useful to wear your cap. This year, I already received my notice. Very conveniently, it raised exactly 10%. So that's happening, I'm guessing, to a lot of you. And I'm going to talk to you about some other reasons to protest because I'll be honest with you, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of us to protest on value and comparables because the market value is probably so much higher than what our capped value is. Now, if you don't live there as a residential property, as your homestead, and you've got an investment property, unfortunately, there's no cap. So that's where definitely using the value is probably, I'll give you some guidance on that of what to look for, how do I know what to use, etc. So that's what we're going to go over. But the first thing I want to just reiterate is down at the bottom in the green highlight to the right, there's a market value. Now, in this example, the market value and appraised value are pretty much the same. Now, it's a commercial property and they don't have exemptions. So the market value will almost always match the appraised value. But as you file exemptions like over 65, homestead, disabled exemption, those types of things provide caps. And every county is a little bit different when you get into like over 65 and disability. But those exemptions will usually cap you, which is a great, great, great thing. So if you have any questions about exemptions you might be available for, all of the websites are very useful. You just type in the keyword search box exemptions, and it'll show you the different exemptions available. But Homestead is the biggest one. So you've looked up your account number, you've made sure that you have the proper exemptions. If not, not to worry if you didn't see the memo or it didn't get on there, whatever the reason, it will go back for two years if that applies to you. You just have to prove that you lived on the property on January 1. The year that your homestead exemption is applicable is the year that you lived in the property on January 1. All right, so this is kind of what the letter looks like. Mine from Fort Bend County looked very similar. You're going to have the date of the letter. And then here towards the middle, it will show, of course, this year it'll say as of 2022, that your market value is this and appraised value is whatever. Again, the appraised value is what you're going to be paying tax on. So my appraised value with my 10% cap was way less than my market value. It's great for me to know my market value is higher because I'm like, ooh, if I wanted to sell, hmm, gee, here we go. So that's where the cap comes in really handy. Now, I know Harris County, you'll see some things on here at the top and also the bottom that Harris County does allow for iFile, so internet filing, electronic. Every county is a little bit different. Harris County also has a phone application. So you could download it from the iTunes Apple or Droid store, and you can do it online electronically where you can upload things. Not every county is as fancy. So if you're in a different county, you just have to double check. There is a special page now. This is the first or second year that they're actually allowing also hearings either in person or on Zoom. So you're not necessarily going to that place, you might be able to do a Zoom. So we'll go over that when we talk about the appeal, the hearing board, what to look out for a little bit later on. But this is kind of what your letter is going to look like. 
you should have received your notice of value by now because the deadline to file that you want to protest is actually May 15th. So you want to be on the lookout. If you have not received your letter, you want to look up your account like we went over in the prior slide and look and see if it's out. If it says that it's a pending status and you can't see any value, it means that yours has not been done yet and it's coming very, very soon. I've got a couple of steps here of just things for you to look out for. So step one, we're just going to review. When you get the protest letter, whether you do iFile or whether you do it in the snail mail or fill out the form and go drop it off to the county directly, you can do all of those three ways. You want to complete the protest form. So you're going to receive in the hard mail. It is not email. This is mail to everybody, wherever your mailing address is for the property. You're going to get it in March and April. So you should have received it by now. You want to follow the instructions to protest because like I said, every county is a little bit different and I'm really just going over Harris. It's not a huge difference, but it's a little bit of a difference. I suggest if you mail it in that you do it certified just so you can get that return receipt that it was done or I would hop over and drop it in person at the county. I would do that as well. And then Harris County only, again, you can iFile which is a really great way to do it actually because it's just super automated and you receive an email and all that good stuff. Step number two is you are going to get then a notice of an appointment. Now, when you do iFile, iFile is the preferred way for the county to settle with you electronically to avoid the need for an appointment. We're going to go over how to do the protest form, but I'm just going through these steps. So you're going to complete your protest form, which we're going to go over in a minute. Then if it's not settled on your iFile, if that was applicable to you, then you'll get notice of an appointment. The appointment is really difficult to change. So it's kind of like when you get a notice of jury duty, you kind of have to just clear your calendar. So we're going to go over that of what to expect at the in-person appointment. Step number three is you have to get your data available for the protest for when you go in person. If you iFile, and remember the deadline is 515, when you do it electronically, you've got to have all your research and your rebuttal and your reason done right then and there. So that's actually a downside of the iFile. I remember last year, I iFiled, literally, it was like 10 o'clock at night on the 15th, like I just forgot. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't have my data ready. I was like, oh my God, why am I going to do this? So like, get it done early. Do not pull a Jennifer from 2021. Like I was not prepared. And so I did try to do the iFile. I was scrambling because I just wasn't ready. So if you have things to gather, because again, we're going to go over the four reasons to protest. You've got to have your act together before the 15th, before you do the iFile, because they ask you to upload things. So just keep that in mind if you're trying to settle things on the iFile. I've learned that the hard way. All right. This is the notice to protest form. And again, only if you do the snail mail, the old school way on iFile, of course it's online, but this is the actual notice of protest the form still looks the same. The one for all the counties is pretty much the same. Now, where the red arrow is, 
the reason for the protest is really, really important. Like when I had a former appraiser for Harris County, he was a Harris County appraiser for like five or six years. So I have had him do one of these in person like three years in a row prior to COVID. So I got some really good intel. This is like the most important part. He says, whatever your protest is, that has to be your supporting information. Like you can't protest for value. And then during your hearing be like, oh yeah, square footage. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like any and all reasons that you're protesting, you can click more than one, but you've got to know what you're protesting when you fill out this form. So the rest of the form is pretty self-explanatory, just filling in the blanks. But the reason for protest is really important. Before you consider protesting, here's a few things to just remember that the market value that they're using, if your market value is equal to your praise value, I don't know, it depends on your caps or whatever, determined as the value on January 1. So the comparables, if you're going to protest based on comps, value comparables, it's got to be stuff from last year, probably the last six months of last year. I'll just mention using value this year for probably the first time in my remembering history of 26 years of doing this, it's going to be super hard to go in based on value to go and protest this. Like values are going up everywhere rapidly, unfortunately. Not impossible. I'm just saying it's going to be a difficult sell. If the value is going down, some counties won't notify you of the value. You have to go online. That's what that means. I don't think that applies to anybody this year. Like, I think everybody's going to get something in the mail. But remember, you pay taxes on the appraised value, not the market value. Because again, caps will apply to some of you that have exemptions on your property. I got this right from HCAD on capped values. So pretty much 10% is that cap. So you could go to all of the websites are going to have definitions of the cap value. This is what I think y'all really, really want to know. So this was just great information that I got from Rodney Curry, who was the former appraiser with HCAD, like wealth of information. And he went over these four reasons to protest and just gave some kind of behind the scenes intel. He said, really only use these four. Like these are the ones that have more of a leg to stand on. The market or sales approach, again, number one is going to be really hard this year, unfortunately, to get at. But again, not impossible using equity as a reason, meaning your house is not equal. So that would be like if your house is inferior to the comparables that are used. So if your house is being compared to properties that have been upgraded, but yours is not, your house is in need of updating. It's like a 1960s whatever construction and it hasn't been updated. And it's comparing you to all these nice, beautiful remodeled houses. That's where the unequal part can come in. Condition can be thing. So equity and condition number two and number three are similar. Equity probably also means that your house is just not similar amenities and things like that. And then condition is where, you know, a house is upgraded and yours isn't or vice versa. Now square footage, GLA is gross living area, square footage where you have the house measured, et cetera. We're going to go over some things about that of what to look for and how to know if your house... I mean, we see mistakes on HCAD all the time. 
when people go to sell the property and we're representing the buyer, the appraiser will actually measure. And sometimes there's a discrepancy that in case gross living area can be a reason for you to potentially protest. That's actually a pretty popular one. So these are the four main ones. And you can use more than one reason to protest, but whatever you're using, you've got to use that and stick with it. He said that if you say you're protesting for market and then you start going into square footage, they're going to be, hey, you put on the form, you're protesting for market. You can't throw square footage into there. So you've got to pick your battles and stick to it. I do have a question. So he says, hey, Jen, if I bought my house in 2021, so that's July, can I use my mortgage appraisal report and what I actually paid for the house, which were the same and lower than my HCAD? Essentially, you should be able to. So he bought the house last year and it seems like his value and the appraisal that we did is lower than what they're trying to tax him in at. So yes, essentially, that is definitely a very good reason. Yes, you should try. I can't guarantee that they're going to go for it, but yes. Hope that answers your question. Thanks for the question. So yeah, the first year you're in the house, I am going to pause actually for those of you, you know, it's your first year that you're in the house. If you bought the house in 2021 last year, so now this is your first time to protest because you lived in the house on January 1. This year, the first year that you're in the home, that is when the county catches you up more than likely to the market, which is kind of bad news. Your cap, that 10% cap does not come into play until the ensuing years. So the house that you bought might've been 300,000 because they've got cap after cap. You might've bought from someone who's lived there for 20 years. So the county's like, ooh, bonus, this house sold and it is our opportunity to catch up the value. So you might've bought it for 500, but the prior seller was only paying tax on 300 at the time of the sale. Well, now your first full year in the house they're going to come after you on that value. So that's kind of what Sean was alluding to. It's like, hey, can I use my appraisal from the purchase? The answer is definitely yes. It's a great leg to stand on. I remember when I first bought my house like 20 years ago, my prior house, I did that same thing. I did win that argument. I can just tell you that this year, the counties, they're going to be pretty cutthroat on these values because they're just going up everywhere. But yes, I would definitely try to do that. All right. So reason number one on the market. So these are some things for you to just keep in mind. Things that Rodney, the prior appraiser, has just given me some touch points on. He said that sales market value is the hardest to win. And I'm not trying to be negative again, but this year especially, it's going to be the hardest to win. So the appraisal district values this the most. This is really where the sales history is the easiest thing for them to prove with actual data. And I will tell you that once you put your protest in, whether you I-file or whether you do it by snail mail, by the form, once you say you're going to protest and only then will they make available to you the comparables that they used for all of this data. Unfortunately, they don't provide you with the data and then say, okay, decide if you want to protest. They only provide you with the data that they used to get here once you raise your hand and say, yeah, we're going to protest for whatever reason. 
And remember, you should use only comparables. I did have a question. Should I only get comparables for 2021? Yes. And probably the last six months of the year. Because if you say, oh, January 2021, it was worth this. They're going to be like, all right, well, there were a bunch more after that. Because remember, they're doing this based on the value as of January 1 or the first week of January 2022. So you've got to really try to keep that scope if you're going to have a leg to stand on on this argument. Kind of the last three to six months of 2021 is, I can tell you that's where their data is coming from, probably for sure. The appraisal district, they have ways to pull sales, even if they're off market. Like, I just want to warn y'all, if you make it to the hearing, they're just ruthless. Like, Now with technology, they will pull up Google Maps. They will pull up things like there's an appraiser and then a committee and they're just firing information. So you've got to have your information pretty straight, but they can pull off market sales somehow. So just be warned. That's not only everything that's on the MLS. Okay. A CMA is a comparative market analysis. Once you protest, as I mentioned, you fill out the form or do the I-file that you're going to protest. Then they provide several forms. And one, if you are protesting for value, the sales approach, that's the one that you need to look at, the comparative market analysis. So you're going to look at that form and it's going to show you all of the things that they are using as data for their ammunition, I guess you can say. So here's just a couple things to keep in mind. The appraisal district uses a mass appraisal model, meaning one equals all. They take kind of a neighborhood and they say, okay, this one comp kind of represents a whole area. It's not like, oh, hey, the house next door or whatever. They kind of group things together in neighborhoods. I don't know if that makes sense, but definitely if you're going to use this value, you want to use the help of your realtor that helped you, they will be happy for you to contact them and pull some analysis for you to help you with this, to have some data. Now, remember you're using homes and they are using homes prior to January 1 of this year because we're in 2022. So prior to January 1. So, you know, those few months before probably the ones that they're using. You want to find the one that's the most similar to yours. Like, square footage, one story, two story, like age of construction. So you want to look in detail. I tried one year, it was unsuccessful, but I was like, hey, my house is 15 years old and they're comparing me to a three-year-old builder house. So that's where something that's very similar in age, there are adjustments to value because of age. So you want to just look and see first what they're using And again, if you do the iFile, you don't have that luxury. So that's kind of why I don't like iFile because it's like, oh my gosh, how do I know what they're using? So I even know what my rebuttal is. The next bullet point, you want to find the one that's most similar to yours in size. Look up photos from the homes. I mean, most of these things probably sold on the MLS. So you can go to har.com, Houston Association of Realtors, and type in the address and just cross your fingers that it's on there. You can go and still have access to the homes, like of the interior to see if the quality was, you know, whatever it was, see what the realtor wrote that was listing it on. Was it updated? Was it not? I mean, you can usually tell from the pictures, not always, but these are things you want to investigate as you're 
trying to compare the sales to make sure that they're similar to yours. Look for pictures that are disqualifying the condition of your property. Your property, you know, is falling down and another one was not. Like, hey, you compared my property to like a palace. It has to be like an obvious disparity, okay? Next bullet point, if you choose your own comps, proximity is really important. Like some neighborhoods, when you cross, I know like in 77057, one side of San Felipe, one side of, you know, Briar Grove is different than the other side of Briar Grove based on, I don't know, just the values have always been different. So things like that, proximity and how far away the comparables are. Like these are in my immediate neighborhood and all these other comps that they're using are two neighborhoods away. Like it's very different, right? The order of importance, Rodney, my appraiser friend said, proximity is number one and square footage is the next one. So this is not to be confused with the fourth reason to protest, which I said square footage. That's where there's a disparity in how they calculated your square footage to where what it truly is. What this means is, Square footage in your house is 3,000 square feet, and they're comparing you to a house that's 6,000 square feet. And likewise, when you're looking for these comparables, and hopefully you'll have the help of your realtor and they'll know how to guide you, but if your house is 6,000 square feet, you can't use comps that are 2,000 square feet. Like that's not comparable, and the vice versa. So when you're looking for comps, You've got to choose comps that are similar to yours, not just some far-fetched number, okay? Because they'll bust you. I promise you, you will get busted on that. So the age of the comps, again, I mentioned it, you know, mentioned based on your house is 15 years old and the comparable that they're using is new construction or whatever. The very last bullet point, you cannot use pending sales. You've got to use things that have actually sold. You wouldn't want to use pending sales either because they're all probably higher. Trust me. So that almost doesn't even apply anymore. So there is a question about this. Do you have to send the comparables at the time you protest? Yes and no. If you iFile, if you choose to do the online iFile, whether it's on the phone app or, well, I would do it on the website. They're going to ask you for your data right then and there. iFile is where you're trying to win the argument online without having to go in person. So for the person that asked me the question about like, hey, I had my appraisal from July 21 when I bought it. And can I use that to protest? If that's the only reason that you're protesting, I would probably iFile and just upload that appraisal for them. And it's probably something that they'll settle right then and there if they're going to. In that case, but if you really have a lot of data, et cetera, you're probably going to need to go in person or do the Zoom thing and not iFile. I hope that that answers your question. I also had another question and said, hey, yeah, a realtor who's on said this. I forgot to tell you, this is true. A lot of the information that HCAD, Harris County Appraisal District or the districts get is from a letter that they send you. Like when you first buy the house, they're going to send you a letter and say, hey, fill this out, you know, change of ownership or whatever. How much did you pay for the house? You do not have to fill that in. That's where they get a lot of their information. Thanks for that reminder, Casca. The appraisal district, this is again what Rodney confirmed to me years ago. He said, hey, they're relying on the homeowners to correct their data correct the square footage of your house, correct 
what they paid for it. Like they are relying on you to some degree in the information. They only have so many resources. I mean, I get it. At the time of paying taxes, everybody wants their value as low as possible. And at the time they're selling it, they want it as high as possible. Well, there's got to be a happy medium somewhere in between. But this data right here is the sales approach again. It is the hardest to win, but again, it's not impossible. You just have to really have your ducks in a row and use my suggestion is that you definitely use your realtor to help you pull comparables. Because if you're not a realtor or in the business, you're just not familiar. You don't really know exactly. You don't want to leave anything on the table that you might be missing. Number two, equity. Reason number two, my house is unequal. So when you get the data from the county will make available after you protest, it's called a CPA, Comparative Property Analysis. So it looks something like what I showed you. I'll have the house and I'll have some data. So typically it has about nine homes is what Rodney told me. He said this one you want to look at the medium adjusted value per square foot. And you can try to default your argument by asking them to just go to the medium. So the price per square foot is, if you look on the fourth line of the white space where I have the pictures, the fourth one down says sales price per square foot. So you can see one is $115 a square foot. One is 124, one is 122. Now there's ensuing pages to this, but you can literally add them all up together and get the average. He said, you know, if your scenario is totally falling apart, you could try to, as a worst case scenario, ask for this. But again, if you're going to use this as an argument, you need to say this in the very front. You can't argue the equity position of my house is not equitable to the other and just pull it out of the air when you said, oh no, I'm arguing on square footage of my house. Like I would check a couple of boxes of why you're protesting. That way you have the liberty to be able to enact all of those. I hope that that makes sense. So an example also that I want to give you is as the equity position, meaning my house is not equitable to these other comparables that you're using. My house is the same size and the market value is different. Why is that? Like, hey, on these nine comparables, my house is the same square footage. Why are you putting me at a different price per square foot, for example? Likely what my appraiser friend said is that there's something about the house that you don't know, like foundation issues, you know, something. Like if you're looking at one of these nine comparables and the price per square foot is just way down, It could be that that particular homeowner at whatever time in the past was protesting for foundation issues, quality of their house, like maybe it flooded in Harvey or whatever. So you have to be careful in this protest reason, but try to do your research on these houses before you go in the in-person hearing, because trust me, those appraisers are going to whip this information out. You're going to be like, where did they get this? Like what just happened? The very last bullet point, be careful when building your case on the one house that is unequal, try to find two or three. So like out of what he's saying is out of the nine comparables for the comparative analysis that they'll give you, if you zone in on just one, it's not really making a case. You've got to find some kind of a pattern between two and three, and it's a little more 
probable that you might be able to make a case for it. All right. So number three, condition. He said that condition is the easiest to win and it's what keeps you from living in the home or enjoying the home. So we had a freeze back in 21, you know, years before that it was Harvey. Hopefully that stuff has been fixed for you by now, but I'm going to go to the very last bullet point in the red lettering. Beware on this reasoning because once you use condition for one year, you likely can't use it for ensuing years. Like they're expecting that if you have foundation issues or your house was flooded in Harvey or the pipe freeze in 2021, that you're going to fix it. Like that it's not an ongoing problem. So you probably can just use it for one year and that's it. Just FYI. So back to the bullet points. It's very difficult on reconstruction because, you know, it's kind of brand new. So likely this is something you would use on older homes. You want to provide proof with current date stamp photo of when, I guess your iPhones or smartphones will date stamp them, but you want to provide some proof. You want to get a bid from a contractor if you can get one to call you back right now, but you want to get a valid bona fide contractor that can provide letterhead. Like don't go to your cousin and say, hey, get me a bid. Like it needs to probably be from a good contractor. The scope of the work to be done and the cost. Now it needs to be logical. So if the home for example, is valued at 200 and the repairs are 75,000. He said that a red flag is going to go up like, hey, is the property livable? Are you really living there? You know, you claim it as your homestead, but it sounds like it's falling apart. Is it really your homestead? Like they're going to start to question your integrity. So you just got to be really careful on this one, he said, to make sure you be careful because otherwise you don't want them to say, okay, well, if the property sounds like it's falling down and you're not living there, how can you have a homestead exemption on this property? I have known someone, it was years ago, but he went in to protest his value. And instead of his property value going down, they raised it on him on the spot. Like, I'm just telling y'all, like your arguments, be careful because if you don't go in prepared, they can switch gears on you and things that you say can be used against you. So they actually, with the data that he gave them, reversed it on him and raised his value. So it was not fun for him. So be careful when you're talking about this because they can say, oh, well, we're going to take away your homestead exemption. It sounds like the house is falling apart and you don't live there. Why are you getting a homestead exemption on this property? So be careful on this one. By the way, I did have a question on comparables. What's the minimum number of comps needed? There's really no established minimum, but I would definitely use three at a minimum. Like you don't want to make your case on the one house because they're not going to let you. Like I've tried before many times, like, hey, these are in my neighborhood. There's only 80 homes. This one sold for this. They're going to go like, well, but it's the whole area. They use several comps. So I would try to get three is probably a good number to support your value. But I would say two at a minimum. Number four, the last reason on square footage. Did you know that when the county cannot get the information from you on new construction, like let's say you bought a brand new home and they need to really know the true square footage and they can't really, nobody's going to really let the appraiser from the county who comes knocking at their door in the house. So do you know what they do from the outside? They measure 
and just double it if it's two-story. Now, the reason that that's not always accurate is that sometimes inside your house, there's non-livable areas. What if there's a third floor or an attic space that's not built out and not air-conditioned? Like, you don't have to pay tax on that. What if there's a huge area in the staircase or underneath or whatever? So what I'm saying is there's a common error where you could be paying tax on too much square footage, especially if your house is relative new construction. So be aware of that. I think that it is worth it if you think that your square footage is not correct to pay an appraiser to come measure your house. It probably will cost $400. It does take a couple of weeks. Appraisers are not just waiting around for things to do. So it does take a little bit of time for them to make an appointment and all that. So if you think that this might apply to you, get your house remeasured because they'll provide a very nice drawing for you that's got all the measurements and all of that. So this could be a valid argument if you're new construction or very recent construction. Now, if you bought new construction, the appraiser at the time should have done the measurements and your appraisal that you got when you purchased it, if you didn't pay cash and had the appraisal done, should have the square footage on it. So you can just read your appraisal. Now, to count the area as square footage that's taxable, square footage, it has to be heated and cooled. So it has to be AC. If not, it shouldn't be included in the square footage. So like if you have a sunroom on the back patio and there's no air, whatever, it's just maybe a screened-in porch or something, you should not have to pay tax on that or it shouldn't be included in your value. So you want to really read, again, what they've given you as reasons. They'll give you when you protest and when you sign the protest form, they also send you a form that has the details of square footage on your house. And you can also find it online anytime, the square footage that they show your house and like how much they're valuing the garage and the in-law suite or the whatever accessory units you might have on your property. So you want to double check that and make sure that it's all accurate. The bullet point here, to set the record straight, it's worth the money to get house measured. It's probably $400. If you are using this, as a reason, you should expect in the future that someone from the county could potentially knock on your door to try to verify. If you're trying to prove that your house is a lesser square footage and that on the interior of the walls, there might not be some livable air-conditioned space, you want to let them in. I would definitely ask for credentials. They should have a badge. They should be driving a car that says county appraisal. I know it's a little scary letting someone in your house, but do what you can to kind of verify them before you let them in. But they don't call ahead. They don't give you a notice. They don't send you mail. They'll just come knocking, you know, FYI. So be on the lookout. All right. So those are the reasons to protest. Now I'm going to go over what to expect when you do go in person. But first, I do have a couple of questions on making a case for market value can I argue that the rate of increase of valuation is out of step with the comps? In other words, other homes have consistently over the last five years increased 3% and mine has been appraised at increasing 5%. So Camden, you can't bring prior years into it. They're just doing the scope of what's here right now. 
So trying to bring prior years in, I would not use that as an argument at all. Every year is absolutely different as far as percentages. That is not a winnable argument. So I would concentrate on the controllables of the scope that they're appraising, which is the year of 2021, and just try to get comparables, you know, similar proximity, similar square footage, use that as your argument, try to poke holes in what comps they're using to justify and then bring some of your own comparables of similar proximity square footage properties. Again, those are the two main identifiers that the appraiser said is kind of the easiest to look at when you're looking at the comps. So I hope that that helps. Another one says, I'm looking at my property record on HCAD. Where do I see the gross living area? So usually you, you scroll towards the bottom. There's details on the amenities of your property, like for rooms and room count and that kind of thing. So it, it should be on there where it might not have it as a total, but it'll have maybe broken out like this number of bedrooms, the garage is this many square feet, et cetera. It should be down kind of towards the bottom. So what to expect at the informal meeting versus a formal protest? Harris County will give you an opportunity to have an informal meeting with a staff appraiser. If that doesn't work, and if y'all can't settle on anything, you will then accelerate to the formal protest, which you got to watch out for because you actually really don't want to go to the formal protest because I've just never had a great experience. It's volunteers. They're usually people that are homeowners themselves. Obviously, everybody is. They're either retired from the county appraisal district or they're just retired and want to get back to the community. It's basically your peers. But when you go into that formal, it is three people on the board plus the staff appraiser in there. And they have a screen up and they'll bring up Google Maps or data in a hot minute. Like they are prepared. I don't even know where they get their stuff. So I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect with that. So y'all can know what to expect. One other quick question that I want to make sure to answer. For clarification, if you bought your home in 2021, you can submit your closing documents of what you paid for the home to adjust your value. That should be correct. Normally, yes, it's not guaranteed, but it's a very good basis for an argument, especially if you close more towards the end of the year. But like if you closed in the first six months of the year, I have a feeling that they're going to whip out some comps towards the end of the year. And that's really the downside of us being in such a fast paced, increased value market, like the last half of the year, well, really every month, the values have been going up. So this one is going to be a really dicey argument. I don't know yet until we start hearing feedback, just because again, this, even in a non-seller's market, Rodney, my appraiser friend said, that the market value argument is the hardest to win, like hands down, just always. So I hope that helps you. There is one other question that I was mentioning, open and closed patios. So he said, open and closed patios show on the county page, do they include into the market value? They shouldn't. I mean, they're an accessory unit, so it might. As far as the square footage, is the square footage that they're saying your property is? Open and closed patios should not. 
they're not livable space. So it shouldn't be on there. But when you do protest, they're going to give you very detailed description of all the structures of your property, the patio space, the garage, if it's detached or even attached, I guess, but attached is harder for them to know. That's where you definitely need to look at the detail. So the thing I don't like about iFile, again, is that you don't have all that information at your fingertips. You've got to iFile in order to get that information. So it's very backwards, unfortunately, but I hope that that answer helps you. One last question. So eight foot versus 10 foot ceiling, is that included in the market value? Honestly, that really is a personal taste thing. That is probably not a great argument for my house is worth more or less than the other house. It's not something that's a tangible item of value. Your house is probably going to be valued the same as an eight foot ceiling versus a 10. I'll be super honest. When they give you that report, those kind of things are not going to be in any of the data that they have that they're analyzing for your value. All right. What to expect on the informal versus the formal? So at the informal, and it's similar to iFile. iFile, you're just doing it online, hoping that they settle without you having to make another appointment later. So if you have information that's easily at your fingertips, you can iFile and try to settle. Now, if you try to iFile and they come back and say, eh, sorry, not going to work, then you can get a further hearing. Like you can appeal and do the board thing. Now, I'll tell you in Fort Bend County, I try to iFile. If that doesn't work, there's no informal. Like you go directly to that intimidating room with the three people. Now, in Harris County, you try to iFile. And then if that doesn't work, you can go in person and do another kind of little informal meeting that's like a face-to-face with that one staff appraiser. And if that doesn't work and you don't agree, then you go to the panel with the three people. So just FYI. Oh, one thing important to mention, the last bullet point under informal. If you are offered an iFile or if you go in and you're one-on-one in Harris County with the staff appraiser one-on-one, and you don't say, no, I don't accept your offer or your example. Like they might shoot you down completely or let's say you just don't agree. At that point, just so you know, all bets are off. Like anything you talk to that appraiser about, anything that he offered you, if they gave you a carrot and said, okay, we'll come down 10,000 and you're like, no, that 10000 that he offered you is no longer a part of anything. You start from scratch when you go to the formal hearing. So I just want you to know that. Now, the formal hearing ARB stands for Appraisal Review Board. And that's where I mentioned you have the three people. Sometimes it might be four, but I think it's normally three plus that appraiser. And that appraiser is in the back of the room on his laptop at fire speed pulling data from whether it's records or county records, like, hey, the house that you're using for the basis of the value was foreclosed on, or you can't use that comp, like they're there to dismiss whatever comparables you think you're using. And they do it super, super fast. So you can have someone in there with you that's a representative. Like if you've hired a company, there are companies that you can hire 
you know, to protest your taxes. Or I even had an actual appraiser. I paid an appraiser to go in there with me. We did that last year and it did not work. Like the appraiser had a great case. I mean, it just, anyway, (laughs) it was not a good result. So I feel like it's getting harder and harder to protest and win, but it's definitely worth a shot for sure. I'm not telling you not to do it. I just, I want you to be prepared for the worst because I want y'all to be prepared. Now in the formal hearing, this is where I've mentioned again, it's super important for you to stick to your reason. If you say that you're using the sales approach and you start to throw square footage, well, my house is 400 square foot less than y'all have it on HCAT. They will not go for it. You have to have listed that as a reason in the initial. So again, you can check more than one reason that you're protesting, but don't leave it out. You can't mix things once you get in there. Remember, these are not professionals their peers and you don't know which three board of directors you're going to get. You don't know if they know what they're doing, if they don't know what they're doing. Like some of them are just pro homeowner and some of them are not. And some are pro county. Like you do not know. It's like having a jury that it's picked and you have no idea what's going to go on. Here's some resources to help. So number one, your realtor definitely please contact your realtor. I mean, they are your advocate. They want you to call them again and let them help you to pull comps, you know, help you gather some data. You might be able to pay them to protest for you. You know, I don't know. It's something you can work out with them. Also, there are companies that assist with the protest. Sometimes there's individual people. You might want to use the Nextdoor app. And that's also, I've always gotten some really good referrals off that. Like, hey, who do you know that can help protest appraisers? You can also do kind of a Google search. There's a lot of them out there. I've used them a couple of times. I've never had success in it. It's nothing against them. It's just, I just haven't had success in it. Usually they only charge once they win and they take half of the savings that you benefit from. So if your taxes went down by $2,000, they would take $1,000. They're usually only paid if they win appraisers directly. Again, you can hire an appraiser to go in there with you to measure the home. Also, maybe you can pay one to like go and show up at the hearing with you or do some further research, do an appraisal for you. So this cost here might be depending on more services that you want them to do for you. Contractors, that's where when we were talking about the equitable and the condition that you can get a contractor give you a bid, you know, on their letterhead for how much certain repairs are costing or if you're using the condition value. I've got a good website here. An investor that I know actually has a really good spreadsheet that can help you know what certain things cost. It's really good. A couple of good things to know. So there's no guarantees on anything. The outcome is going to depend on the personality of the person that you're in front of. I hate to say it. So my little quote, kindness is free, sprinkle that stuff everywhere. I can tell you that if you go into this with guns blazing and you get your heat on and you're like, "Eh, eh, eh," that's probably what you're going to get. Like, just remember, these people are people too. Please just get your nicest game face on, have your data, be prepared. They're looking for data. It's not any touchy feely kind of stuff. It's data. And you got to be nice about it because if you go in there and you start to get huffy, it's easy to get emotional and frustrated when it's your property. Like no one knows your property like you do, but 
you know, Rodney would tell me stories of people that would go in there and they just were not nice. And I can tell you that they never won the argument ever. Like they got shot down no matter what. So just keep that in mind. Just listen to like a Tony Robbins CD when you're, when you're on your way to the hearing and just put yourself in a good mindset and just remember, be gracious, stick to the facts and just do your best. Okay. That is all that I've got. You can reach me on my email. You can reach me any of these phone numbers. I'm glad to give you whatever information I know or point you in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.